1: you're not gonna believe it people we have Duncan Trussell here sitting down with us right now today (laughs) Hare Krishna Hare Krishna what's going on my brother welcome to the oh, Warrior Poet Project. Thanks so
2: much. Thanks for the tour, Aubrey. I'm kind of blown away. Yeah. Uh, had no idea that you had this sprawling complex behind you because you're such a, a humble guy that <laughs> well, you um, you. you don't like... The, the, I don't know, man. I think my head would get really swollen if I had a massive gym slash warehouse slash uh, creativity, sweet.
1: Well, you know what, Duncan? I'll tell you what helps. You know what helps what? is when ayahuasca tells you your water borrowed from the ocean that the ocean <laughs> forgot. <laughs> tells you your gum on nothing's shoe. You're not even nothing. Yeah, you're the gum you, on nothing's shoe. Uh, ayahuasca, like, oh. have
2: you uh, seen my <laughs> indoor volleyball court? Because I may be gum on nothing's shoe, but I have an indoor volleyball. Court. Yeah, ayahuasca doesn't care. That's cool. And yeah. of course, it does all. I mean, yes. Clearly, obviously, all things are just waves of particulates r- rushing through time. I get that, but there is something very sweet about having success yeah. in your life, it's, it's, and, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Absolutely. And so it's really cool to see how it's manifested around you because it's uh, it's – you know, actually, I was just reading this really cool – Uh, Buddhist exercise where they, where you, I want to memorize it, but it's a, it's from one of those scriptures and uh, you you list what the body is composed of. It's Mm -hmm. actually just a list of liver, spleen, saliva, blood, uh, feces, semen, all the things inside your body, brain. You list it and the idea is that each of these components, when separated from the body they are no longer attractive. Like if mm-hmm. you take the most sure. beautiful woman in the world and take her hand off of her body and you show, like had the hand laying on a table and said, this hand is from the most beautiful woman in the world. Well, I mean, you get arrested. Like, what have you done? <laughs> you psychopath.
1: Well, you're right with the exception of one thing. What? The vagina, because I used to know a company called Fleshlight oh, right. that pretty much made a living
2: out of selling these things, out of
1: selling bottles of vaginas. But the
2: vagina bottle, which I have penetrated and <laughs> come inside of many times, because when Joe is sponsored by them, uh-huh. I, I fucked I fuck the Fleshlight a few times. <laughs> have some very It's always a sad moment when you come inside uh, yes, of a flashlight. No uh, it's a sad moment when you like pull this like plastic tube off your flaccid, oily penis and realize that you just <laughs> fucked a, 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 a cylinder. And so that's a sad moment.
1: Is it sadder than when a little bit gets on your stomach? Because that's pretty sad for me when that happens. When,
2: whenever you come and it gets on your side, that's never like the little slug trails. <laughs> yeah. of it's never like bother me at all <laughs> that much, at least. I mean, it's like, I'll just wipe it off, whatever. But it yeah. is all kind of like in in the same weird realm of like not sadness but not really anything but fleshlights aren't people aren't buying fleshlights because of the aesthetic value that a fleshlight adds to its environment you wouldn't go to your like a house that you were trying to spruce up and leave a fleshlight on the table no. that's in fact going to just a greatest. giant
1: statue of my cock yeah is what i would, what I would prefer there
2: you go <laughs> yeah maybe that would work <laughs> maybe that would work but still it would kind of create you know the, the vibe would shift and maybe in, in a, a little bit you might yeah. not want it to go too. if i had
1: sticks of butter that so they could butter the family lingam you know that was an old tradition right hey yeah buttering look, the family lingam
2: come on in man look you mind taking your shoes off yeah that's a sculpture of my cock would you <laughs> mind putting some butter on it it's part of the tradition people visit my house uh-huh. but the 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 idea is that it's the um, what makes a, a human body beautiful is the way that the congruence of all these separate parts that come together to create an individual and that those that's where the beauty comes from if you remove anything from that, it's no longer beautiful it's just something that is whatever it is not to say mm-hmm. that a a, a a severed hand you couldn't look at that and it, it, like, appreciate it appreciate in some it some way. in yeah. some weird way but obviously you would much rather the hand be attached. To the beautiful person for, sure. for a lot of different reasons. So when you, when I see a place like this. Then you see all these awesome components sort of blending together to create that gestalt or this like really good vibe, mm-hmm. which you are there is a reflection of the vibe. You're the vibe you put out and you just see like, oh, how fucking cool. Like this thing kind of grew up around yeah. this stuff that you're putting. out. Well, it's out now here.
1: mutually supportive, too, because this has enough momentum that if I start to stray off course, this can bring me back. Yeah. And if this starts to stray off course, you know, I can bring it back and other people who are here can bring yeah. it back. So it's this positive momentum loop you know super cool yeah it's awesome and when people come here that's the thing too is it makes a, a different impression they understand the company and what we're about in a different way because it's, it's inspired it's soaked into the walls here you yeah know, you yeah it really is feel it. yeah well i named this podcast the genesis of duncan trussell because i want to go into this and i want to start you know most genesis starts oh you know i grew up No, no no not for you duncan mm-hmm. i have another idea we're starting pre-birth Pre-birth. I want you to hypothesize. Obviously, it's beyond the realm of knowledge, but hypothesize what's going on pre-birth when you do you make a decision to enter this baby form with your family or is it, you know, kind of wheeled in in some cosmic clock? Because I know both of us believe in reincarnation. So what's happening pre-birth before you decide to enter this incarnation?
2: Well, yeah, that's a great question. I and I love the, you know, somebody. God damn it. Who is saying this? I guess I read it somewhere. I need to start keeping better notes. I've started taking pictures of, like, quotes that I like mm-hmm. in my phone because, so that I can, like, refer to them again. But
1: I'm going to lie to Mapacho in the meantime. Mapacho is sacred tobacco. comes from Peru. I'm taking a very special treat and smoking it on the podcast with Duncan Trust. <laughs> Not many guests get the sacred Mapacho smoke during.
2: It smells good.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So, yeah, the, these uh, – I can't remember who it was that – was someone who was a Buddhist and their kids weren't into Buddhism and they brought their kids to meet this Buddhist Lama, like this very high teacher. And they asked him to tell them something that they could understand without understanding Buddhism at all. And he said to them, "Now I'm gonna paraphrase here, but the only thing that remains when you die is the state of consciousness, is your state of consciousness as you expire. It's the, your state of consciousness is what, is the momentum that pushes you Mm -hmm. into whatever your next incarnation is going to be or whatever the next place, the particular energy that you would call your soul, how that is going to manifest in in the next place or the moment after death, or the way the, the wave keeps rolling is where your energy energetic or state is when you die so if you're in a state of fear anger or freaking out then that's the wave that rolls into the future and if you're in a state of calm letting go mm. equanimity and peacefulness and that's the kind of vibe that's going to go rolling into the future and which is why uh, meditation is often often called the preparation for death so that when death comes which it will come for all of us. Uh, and all the things that go along with death are happening, which is you won't be able to breathe as well. Your your body is more than likely going to be in a lot of pain. Uh, you're going to be experiencing a lot of emotional energy, which is going to be good and bad. And all these things are going to happen at the same time. And it's going to be a very, very, uh, you know, how they say there's a, I think it's the Horn of Africa. Sailing around the Horn of Africa is a very dangerous thing to do because it's always turbulent there. Mm-hmm. But uh, it used to be you would have to make that journey, and so you'd have to be a master sailor to get around there. Now listen, you guys, don't fact-check anything I just said because <laughs> I don't know for sure. I just saw this documentary on this girl who her and sailed around the world. I think and she both went to... of
1: the capes, Cape Horn, Cape, like yeah, Cape Horn of Africa. Yeah. That's
2: death. So in our journey that we're, of life as we sail through the waters of time, we know that there is this cape that we're gonna have to steer our ship around, and that's the cape of death. And we don't know what's around the other side, but we do know that probably the very same principles that apply to sailing in rough waters are gonna apply to that moment when we move out of our identification with this body. And so that means if we can keep a clear head, Mm -hmm. if we can stay calm, and if we have had practice and navigating through these waters, then when this moment happens, we're going to be able to, it'll be a piece of cake.
1: Well, that's what, you know, doing these medicine journeys has done for me is because it, it really pushes you past that point, particularly ayahuasca. I mean, you feel like you're past the point of your death. You mm-hmm. accept it, you move on, and you're in that place. It looks like your death. And doing something also like Vilca, which was the snorted DMT, 5-MeO-DMT, NNDMT, mm-hmm. and bufotenine. Oh. And it, you snort at both nostrils full of this ancient powder that the Shavin people used to do. And it takes you to the point where your body's gone. I mean, you feel like you're in that realm. And it's so peaceful there and so beautiful that it yeah. eradicates the fear once you accept that you're gone. And that I think that practice is something that is incredibly valuable because we all carry this burden of fear of what that might be. Yeah. And either through meditation or through whatever practice you can get to yeah. To go through that is amazing. Did you know that Aldous Huxley, the great author, he took LSD on his deathbed?
2: Yeah, his he wrote to his wife yeah. a, a prescription. He wrote it, and I've seen an image of it. I don't know if it's the real thing, but he wrote whatever a doctor would write for yeah. inject an injection of LSD when he died. And I understand that because he was probably experiencing some fear. And if you take a high enough dose of a psychedelic, it'll push you into that state. Mm-hmm. And what i'm really interested in right now is getting to that state minus the psychedelic and is it possible i think it is and how how do we do that i i had a podcast with uh the kirtan singer krishna das have you ever heard of him Mm -mm. oh he's great but he go he's like he sings kirtans which are uh they call it the chanting of the names and it's like these the there, Hare Krishna would be one Hare right. Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna, Krishna Krishna Hare, 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 Ram, 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 Hare, Yadi. that's one, there's a lot of different ones uh, but they all are rep. they all are sort of the sound vibration of a universal principles so to speak and so by chanting them you are tuning your consciousness like a guitar your string, yeah. you're tuning your frequency to that and so he, that's his practice and um, He's a child of the '60s, as a lot of the people in the Satsang that I like to hang out with, the Ram Dass camp, and they have all done massive amounts of psychedelics, and uh, he. So they were very familiar with the benefits that come from it, and they're very vocal about the fact that if not for the psychedelics, they never would have gotten to a place where they were. In yeah, the it's
1: practice. almost like I, I describe it to people. You know, you can meditate, but unless you know where you're going, it's like you're wandering aimlessly in the woods and you don't know when you've arrived and you don't know what you're looking mm. for, you know, but psychedelics can show you where you're going so that all of these other tools can help you get back.
2: That's right. I think it's a wonder they they both you they all is permissible if your intention is to wake up because yeah. if you can wake up and, and you can reduce your own suffering and fear or transform your suffering and fear, then what's gonna happen is the ripples that you're sending out in every moment are going to reduce the fear of people around you, Mm -hmm. and that's beneficial to the planet, and the planet, like any other organism, wants to be healthy, and so it's going to back you up in that pursuit. That's for sure. And so any way that you, as long as the intention behind it is, I wanna ease the suffering of people on this planet, As long as that's the intention behind it, and you're one of the people on the planet, so start with yourself, I want to ease my own suffering, then you're going to find a lot of allies spring up out of the blue that are very happy about the fact that you've gotten to this place, almost as though your entire life was to reach that place, and all these people just come out of the woodwork like your tutors or your Mm -hmm. teachers that have been assigned to you by some very loving, super intelligent force that is really excited about you uh, waking up. It's really cool. And psychedelics are one way to get there. I'm really into Buddhism right now, man. It's so badass. I'm getting yeah. deeper and deeper yeah. and deeper into it because it is, for me, my experience with psychedelics has always been blast off in the, in the highest places I've ever been on, like on LSD in particular, MEO DMT, mm-hmm. also uh, DMT, DMT, (laughs) Uh, what happens for me is I'm shown a thing, and a thing talks to me, and I get the very same feeling that I had when I was a little kid, and we wander into uh, a party my parents were having, like they put you to bed, but then they have a party, and you come downstairs, and everybody's excited to see you, but they also know you're not supposed to be there (laughs) for a second. They're like, ah, look at you. (laughs) And they say things, and they're doing things, and there's all this stuff going on there that you recognize as being really cool and beautiful, but maybe you you can't translate it so well. Mm -hmm. So for me, when I start reading uh, some of the Buddhist uh, literature, I'm reading this book, Mindfulness, by Joseph Goldstein, um, and some books by Pema Chodron, and I see... Uh, a really beautiful analysis of those states of consciousness, a really beautiful framework to look at it through so that I can carry those moments into my everyday life. Uh, It's really exciting to me. It's it's
0: exciting
1: to me too. because And that's one of the things that I enjoy talking to you so much about is because we've both been on these parallel paths mine being firsthand experience from learning these things from the from the ether from the other from the source if you will and trying to translate them and figure them out and you're like oh yeah that's what's been in a book for 2000 years you'd have bothered to read it but i couldn't just read it for me the way my personality is i had to go find it for myself and then but drawing those parallels back to tradition is beautiful and i love hearing that and that's one of the reasons i love talking to you so much about it is because i can tell you one of my experiences and you say oh yeah that reminds me of this concept and it that's elucidated you know to stand the tests of time in that beautiful way that buddhism can do
2: and your experience of ayahuasca ke- i keep reading things the last experience that we've talked about the entering into that complete nullification or void i, I was just reading about that and how um there so you know buddhism is sort of the the Basis of the thing is that in every single moment, most people are experiencing either attraction or aversion. That's what people are experiencing. They're experiencing a de- wanting to be somewhere else because they are longing for the pleasure of that place or wanting to be somewhere else because they don't like the pain that they have mm-hmm. are experiencing in the place that they currently are. Some so-
1: kind of push or pull or both.
2: Or both. So generally, you'll find yourself being in a one one great moment. Another thing I like about Buddhism is all the moments that you formerly thought were awful, or are, are times when terrible things are happening to you in Buddhism. They're like, no, this is the these are the moments for you to like work. These are like every time you find the next time you find yourself in a state of boredom. Yeah, and you're just bored, which is like the horror of all children. They're, I'm bored. I'm bored. <laughs> I don't like it here. Boredom. So boredom equals, in Buddhism, boredom equals aversion. It's aversion. You are feeling bored because you don't want to be where you're at at that very moment. You want to get out of there. A classic example is shopping with your girlfriend, right? Is there ever a moment where you feel deeper levels of boredom and aversion than when you find yourself in a purse store and you realize you're going to probably be there for 45 minutes to an hour and you've got to like there's nothing for you there nothing for you there there you're not buying purses let's imagine that you're actually... what about
1: an elaborate game of sexual bribing what do you mean that's generally what i do in shopping situations right. like a, uh-huh you want that? Yeah. Well, right. let's see. Open up your yeah. open up your repertoire of gifts to bring to me later. Yeah.
2: So now you're trying to move from that moment of, right. of pain exactly. into pleasure. So a great place to practice <laughs> is if you go shopping with your girlfriend. It's a great place to practice Buddhism because you will begin to experience the desire to speed into the future to get out of the place that you're at. Uh-huh. So that... The interesting thing in Buddhism is that what it's saying is, here's the deal. You are formlessness, ultimately. Everything that you are is in a constant and endless state of change. Now, for in the in, in, we know this in the big scale of things because we can look at our parents and then we can look at a picture of them when they were a child and we see The person I'm looking at now is old and wrinkly and the person I looked at as a child is very healthy, so we see there's that big scale change happening. But in the little, minute, uh, momentary way, we're constantly moving. We're in a state of going from point A to point B. We get up to use the bathroom. We look around. And so our visual field is in a constant state of flux. Our visual field is constantly changing. So we are in a constant state of change, which means that we have no permanent self. And the idea that there is a permanent self is one of the primary delusions that Buddhism has identified and also one of the primary causes of most of, if not all, of a human suffering is their attachment to the delusion that they are a permanent self and that all result in activity to try to escape from the ultimate truth, which is that we are nothingness, is a movement that is uh, could be compared to somebody on fire trying to put out the fire mm-hmm. only in this case the fire is the realization that we are nothingness and the movement to put out the fire is everything we do to create an identity or to hold ourselves as a being and so it's funny because you realize almost everything you've done in your life is essentially a long-running temper tantrum where you have just been doing everything anything you can to avoid being still because if you stay still for even the shortest amount of time very quickly the thing that you think you are starts merging into the everythingness that you actually are and for whatever reason that's not a very palatable state uh for an ego to Mm. be in and so that's really cool man that and i always go back to your This, the gum on the shoe of, what is the term?
1: I was water, I was two things. I was not only nothing, I was the gum on nothing's shoe. Or I was water borrowed from the ocean that the ocean forgot. That. And yeah. that was that
2: that that feeling it seemed like it was not a comfortable feeling
1: No. Him. Yeah. So <laughs> right. No. Right. Definitely not. I wanted to be special. I wanted to be mm-hmm. something unique, my special self, this yeah. thing that kind of came out to have this great purpose and and mm-hmm. and it was and it was illustratively taking that from me and saying, No, you know, on another perspective, you're nothing. Like we're all nothing. We're all part of this ocean and the distinction of this is myself versus the collective is something that we create ourselves. That's right. But then, you know, it does, it gives you that place. And I think it's important to get there. But I really like the Toltec belief that once you achieve that, you can go act through your controlled folly, is what they call it. And the controlled folly is understanding that, but still acting in a normal way, still engaging in life. as if you know as if everything that you previously thought was true but keeping that deeper truth and then acting however you want so yeah if you want to you know eat cheeseburgers and go do whatever this earthly thing that you like you know makes sense to you you can do that and it's just your controlled folly like at some level you know it's folly it's not real but at another level you know, you can enjoy the shit out of it freely.
2: Enjoy the dream.
1: Enjoy the dream.
2: Because the, 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 when you, you know, like there's so many times where I've been in the midst of a, you know what? It just happened. It just happened today. I had the strangest dream. I had this dream that I had a little girl that, but I was a bad father. I had like a six year old girl. I was a bad father. Because I hadn't been spending, I like I was in a, it was really weird. Like I was in a divorce, hadn't been taking care of this kid. The mother was really tired, and I was, was aware of the fact that I'd been this sort of disregarding this child. And there was a lot of guilt inside of me. And weirdly, I'm sorry to tell a dream, they're ultimately boring. But weirdly, like, Jesus was in the dream. The, like, stereotypical, mm-hmm. like, blacklight poster Jesus. And he's, like, watching the whole thing, but he thinks it's funny. The whole thing, he's, like, smiling and watching this thing happen to me. But anyway, I, w- I wake up from this awful nightmare where I'm a t- bad dad. And uh, this, the ensuing relief that c- c- comes in it from a dream like that. We're like, oh, thank God. I do not. I'm not in that life. Oh, thank God. Oh, thank God. I'm free from that life. Well, see, that can happen in this life where whatever it is that you uh, consider to be the great thorn in the side of your existence, whatever your karma, karmic loop is, the repetitive darkness that keeps coming into your life again and again and again. All the great teachers tell you this is a dream and not in the sense of we are just saying that. It's literally, you are in a dream. You are nothingness that has temporarily become somethingness, which will return to nothingness, which will return to somethingness again for infinity and inf- infinity and infinity. And your great attachment to all the minutia of your life that's causing you all this suffering is called clinging. You're clinging to a thorn bush. You are, <laughs> there, it's like there is a love tornado, a tornado of bliss and joy that at any time can suck you into what is called nirvana. But rather than get sucked into that, you're holding onto like a barbed wire fence that is cutting into your hands and (laughs) you have confused the agony and pain of that with uh, yourself. You think your pain is yourself. You think if you let go of that fence and you're no longer experiencing the constant aching darkness that has followed you through all your days, you will no longer... Be anything at all, and the result will be hell at hell. When in fact, according to the teachers, all theoretical. Uh, from my perspective, though, I have had little glimpses of what that might be—little, minute glimpses. Uh, uh, the the ensuing state that happens the moment you really release yourself from the attachment to your identity, and after you surrender to the, being the gum on the foot of nothingness, is apparently a kind of infinite bliss Mm -hmm. which then will allow you to enjoy your life it's not as though you get that state and suddenly like now you're no longer working it on it or now you no longer have a family or now you go wandering into the woods it's just that now when you sit down with your kid or your wife or your friends you actually are listening to them and you're actually there for them and you're because you really are yourself and you're not in pain anymore Mm -hmm. so now you're giving you're really giving you become
1: fit for. for service for yourself and others. Yeah. You know, it takes away all of those. I remember I had a really powerful experience on the Wachuma where I realized that until you shed all of your fear until you reach that state of fearlessness, which is why the Jaguar is the sacred emblem to them because in that South America, the Jaguar is fearless. It has no known predators. It hides in the canopy of the trees. It's nocturnal. It's faster, stronger, has sharper yeah. claws. has no fear so until you reach that state of fearlessness you don't have free will and attachment and ego and everything else that we that we think is part of it is really just some kind of fear it's fear of not being important it's fear of not having substance so until you reach that point of fearlessness you don't have free will getting pushed and pulled so the transformation into the jaguar is the gift of free will it's the gift of being able to lay back and say, you know, I can decide what I want. And in that moment of free will, which is also a moment of incredibly powerful presence, that's when you can create whatever you really dream. Whether you're an athlete and wanna create an outcome in your sport or your game or you're in business and you wanna build this attraction or friendships or relationship, that presence is like the gravity of the sun. And when you're burning with that presence, Everything attracts to you in this easy way But when you're caught in the push and pull and the frantic as you describe stamping out the fires all over your body people are like whoa get the fuck away from that guy He's on fire, you know, and that's exactly the opposite of what attracts that repels that actually will push you Towards your fear almost to show you. Hey, you were afraid of this. Hey, what about now? What about now? still afraid of it. Here it is. How about now? You know what you're okay, right? That's that, why we
2: welcome the fear, right? Right? Yeah, right. That's it. That's why we welcome the fear because the because the the for me I am a frightened person and uh, but I recognize that and especially lately since I've been uh, somehow by some miracle managing to like regularly meditate which is something I'm generally not very good at and the now when it comes or as a, I'm someone who regularly eats marijuana too and when the fear comes. In that form, now at least I try to welcome it because you're like, okay, 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 here it is, here it is. Here is coming into my field of awareness. Here is the great demon. Yeah. And now I get to, now instead of playing the game I've been playing with it, it's like having an abusive dad who comes home and you want to go up into your bedroom so you don't have yeah, to deal I with him. Like, not, you know what I mean? like It's like like being in a shitty relationship where when your girlfriend's car pulls in and your heart drops because you know you're going to get in a fight or it's like in the same way when the car of fear pulls into the driveway of your awareness, generally you have all these reactions or these conditioned mechanisms to ignore it, turn away from it. So when that car of fear, when you hear the fucking bloop, bloop the alarm is Uh whoever's driving that car turns it off uh that's when you're like fuck i'm gonna go play starcraft 2 i'm gonna have a beer i'm gonna that's when you start doing all these attempts to move away from facing it but if you just do what jack cornfield recommends which is invite it in oh you're home come in let's talk yeah that's when the chain starts change starts happening because that fear is what i'm starting to figure out about it The thing that you think is the demon is in fact a bodyguard that has run amok and that thing was there for you when you were a kid and all this shitty stuff was going on and you couldn't protect yourself so that thing formed around you to keep whatever was hurting you away from you to keep you safe and it didn't know what to do and it didn't know how to do the do it in a graceful way because you're just a kid. You can't instruct it. Mm-hmm. So like some kind of like beautiful, wonderful bodyguard or a dog. You know, like you hear about the yeah. somebody gets shot by a cop and the dog defends its body. In the same way, like a dog, this thing has been trying to fight off the threats in your life. It's just that noble, honorable, and kind and when you realize that this thing that is formerly seemed to be the ruination of your life Is in fact a bodyguard that deserves a gold medal and you start treating it that way That's when you bow to it and say oh, I just want to say thank you mm. when I was a kid and I was like in a weird tumultuous childhood with parents that weren't getting along and Alcoholism and all the things many of us went through you were there for me to keep me safe, and your tactics were necessary. And man, thank you, thank you, thank you. If you visualize that fear, as you're thanking it, honoring it, bowing to it, it'll swell up with this kind of like pride because it's finally getting recognized for what it is, which is your one of your great allies. And then that's when the that's when it starts. That's when the change. That's starts when it happening.
1: starts to change. Yeah, I realized that it was. You can never beat it by resisting it, by fighting it. And I had some just kind of disparate aspects of my mind that were really troublesome. And I was able to, through all the medicine work, start to visualize them. And I would try and push them away and use all these tactics like, that's not me that gets, get out of here. And then one day I had the realization, actually when I was getting some body work done from my friend Parangi, who's a wizard, gives these like massages with sound and it's awesome. And I ate some marijuana, so I was like extra tuned in. And I felt that presence again. And it's this annoying kind of judging presence. And instead of trying to push it away that time, I said, all right, come back in. Come back in, friend. You know, like I know exactly like you're saying. And I welcomed it. I was like, that's yeah. a part of me. Everything here is a part of me. And it's all welcome here. And that since that time, since I changed tactics of resisting that part that I didn't like, that part that troubled me and worried me and I was afraid of, And welcome that back in and say that's the part of mankind that's part of our morphic resonance as rupert sheldrake would say of man that these crazy thoughts these fears that's inside all of us it's not separate from us that is us that is mankind we have to accept that but what we choose to act on forms us and you know just because you have these thoughts and these fears you know you can choose something else welcome them in they're you they're part of you but you're you're actually what you choose to to be and that's enough and that that little change in tactics has been a huge huge benefit in my life
2: yeah man mine too and i you know it's so exciting because when you start realizing like holy you know for with buddhism uh psychedelics uh, any real bona fide spiritual path when you start realizing that it's real because mm. like when i if you don't if you haven't really like taken the time to like play around to like get into the stuff to put your toe in the water of the stuff and you kind of see it from the outside in if you're me, you know, like Buddhism for example for years and years it's just like "Eh." they're fooling themselves, I don't know exactly what it is but I bet they're fooling themselves like there's no way you're going to be permanently happy in this incarnation so you just forget the fact that like think of the greatest thing you ever did like build on it for example like build a, a beautiful company like this think about how much you really believed in yourself to do that or how much you really like to build this thing or allowed to come through you there was like a real connection with something right mm. so whenever you look in pictures of a boot a statue of the Buddha that's the size of a fucking eight-story building Imagine somebody building that while they thought that Buddhism was bullshit. Imagine someone taking the time (laughs) to sculpt that fucking thing (laughs) and the whole time being like, I'm fooling myself here. (laughs) This is a bunch of crap. No, the reason they're building those symbols all over the planet for people to see is because they plugged into what's called the Dharma. They realized that, oh my God, this shit actually... Uh, is showing me what I really am and that my underlying, uh, underneath all the neurosis and and, and fear is this beautiful nectar-like state of uh, balance and connection. And, 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 and the more that I go into this place, the more compelled I am to try to help other people get to that place in the same way that if you were walking through a city where everybody was on fire, then you would more than likely try to get a fire hose and a fire truck. And it'd probably be a, you feel really good if you could putting, putting all those fires out
1: and no, even a no. small way. And it's contagious too, because one of the coolest visions I had was I was imagining this process of waking up and waking up is really a point of stillness. It's mm-hmm. instead of patting that fire out constantly and running around frantically, you form stillness, and then you have free will. You have presence. You can go make these changes happen to other people. And I envision all of these people kind of running around like a wind-up toy that got awry. You know, it was a little off like And then I was able to step out. I was doing the same thing, and I've been doing that. And I still get caught doing that every once in a while. The wind-up will go, and I'm like, duck, duck, yeah. duck. And I'm like oh, whoa, what the fuck? You know, because I'll feel that happening. I'll get sad, or I'll get you know, emotional about something, mean, you know, these weird things will happen. I'm like, whoa, the windup is back on, you know? But when you take that windup off and then I imagine myself free of that and I saw all these people with all these windup things, rah, rah, rah. oh, I'm going to take this pill on, it take this caffeine on and you yeah, yeah. have sleeping pill and... Burp, burp. And I was able to just put my hand on them and say, hey, shh, hey, and they would look slowly over me and go, oh, yeah. and then they would wake up for a second and then they could go touch somebody else yeah. and go... Oh, and so all of these little crazy chaotic wind-up toys all of a sudden just kind of dropped into a stillness and the network kept spreading and it spread all around the world. This great global awakening of everybody just going, oh.
2: That's it. You just described it. Now. That's, it. <laughs> That's what, it. Your description right there is a dream that a lot of people are experiencing. And it, it, here's where it gets really weird. It's a thing that was set into motion a very long time ago. The thing you're talking about was set into motion, has been set into motion by many, you know, a lot of awakened people that we know of and we don't know of. Like mm. there's apparently like a, um, there's, it's so fun. Like this, there, the, a lot of people, Talk about something. I think it's called the Sarmoon Brotherhood. Have you ever heard of that? No. It's really interesting. But the idea is that not only are there these vocal advocates for putting out the fire of suffering in the world, but there's also these very uh, silent advocates right. for it too. But who are actively involved in getting this in, in dis- disseminating this information into the world. Now, all that foo-foo shit aside, one thing's for certain: there has never been a time in human history where an individual's actions have such a direct impact on such a large number of people. And the, to, to look, to get a great demonstration of this in the negative go to world follow world star fights on Twitter, where world star hip hop, yeah. world star hip hop fights. Cause they show fights. So like, uh, you know, if some, so some kids will be in a schoolyard or there'll be some kind of awful fight and a guy will like just, knock a woman out i saw a twitter of this like asshole some woman's running there's a crazy fight and he just punches her as hard as he can in the face and he knocks her down someone films that puts it on the internet world star fights upload it uploads this thing that uh, just a few years ago would have just been something like a candle in a cave that went out or more like a fart in a cave like Mm. a stinky moment in time that only a few people smelled now the fart is smelled that psychic violent fart somebody lost in the uh wind-up dream that you're talking about perpetrating a ridiculous act of pointless violence now that will echo infinitely through the internet for the rest of human existence or as long as the internet exists that has never been the case before the entire universe has become an electronic echo chamber where every single thing that you do for better or for worse has the potential for rippling around the entire planet which means that there's never been more of an imperative for a person to put out their own fire and to figure out a way to help others put out their fire because the technology is now enhancing and amplifying the, that energetic wave that is coming out of people for better or for worse. So you see how we exist in a kind of powder, we're, either, we're in a powder keg. And, when, and the thing can either explode in the way that uh, when the Buddha was being awakened and the Mara, the Lord of Death, was throwing fireballs at him and he smiled and they all turned into flower petals and fell <laughs> to the ground. We can all do that. we can all do that and using this technology is one of the one way to do it but it doesn't just have to be like having a podcast where you regurgitate things you've read in books about buddhism if you're me it's just like in your own personal life taking some time to sit still and reduce your own fear levels so that you can spread that to the people around you just like what you're saying Aubrey. absolutely man and
1: it's I think one thing to remind people of is you can get so caught up in how fucked up things are, you can forget how good it still is. Yes. You know, like I had a moment, I was down in Florida and I was sitting on the, sitting on the water. I hadn't talked to people for days. I actually hadn't even heard my own voice, <clears throat> which was cool because I was in a, in like a little riding retreat. And you see the high rises in the background. It's kind of a beautiful scene. It's the Bay of Miami, but there's a bunch of high rises in the background. And I saw a manatee mother and her calf, like mm-hmm. slowly swimming by me. And it was just such a beautiful reminder that we can coexist positively. I mean, these manatees are very sensitive creatures. They rely on the right, you know, biotic flora in the ocean and the algae and these things. And if if there's too much pollution, they can't exist. And so these things peacefully floating by with the high rises in the background, it was just a reminder like we can do it. It's okay. It's not too fucked up. Like it's not time to throw in the towel. We got plenty of time. To save this hurling spaceship, Damn as Joe right. Rogan would say. We have you know? plenty of time. Plenty of time. We just got to start fucking doing it. And it's the most beautiful time to live. Because we have everything at our disposal. Right now we can get... The entire earth is within our reach. You know, Within a few clicks of the mouse yeah. and a little intention to hop on a plane. Or even visit something virtually. Like we, have, we live in the most amazing time. It has its challenges for sure. But it's a fucking awesome time which is why to go back to the original point which we never got to the genesis of duncan trussell i kind of imagine like i i feel like there's some distinction that remains when we you know cross that cross over to the other side we retain some form of of self just because that's the structure with it works organisms have cells the all has these we're like cells in the organism of the all it's still the organism but there's still some kind of cell And I kind of feel like, you know, I personally believe that there's probably multiple different planets that have life that are sentient. And there's there's a moment where these souls or spirits or cells of the all or whatever can kind of be up there and be like, man, where should we go next? Oh, look at Earth. Earth's right at that fucking turning point. It's like, you want to go? Like, should we do it? And maybe we were sitting up there in a similar conversation to this, you know, uh, in the other. And we're just like, man, Earth we going to do it? We're going to do, do it, Tonka?
0: Let's fucking do Let's fucking
2: do Earth. Yeah.
1: It's like, I'll see you down there. I don't know when, but yeah. I'll see you down there.
2: Yeah, I love that idea. I love the idea of it at a university. I yeah. love the idea more like I called you up. I was like, did you get it? I got accepted to Earth. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Holy shit, we get to go to that lesson. You know, I, I like that. I love that idea. I love mm-hmm. that idea so much because anything that comes into your life when you imagine that you're on a holodeck, Instead of on a planet, and whatever the thing that has come into your life is, is like, all right, let's run testicular cancer program 798 on Duncan, see, so that he can learn he's uh, mortal. Let's do that because the dumbass has managed to fool himself into thinking <laughs> he's not gonna die. So, let's like, let's like, he's veered so far off the path that he has actually gotten himself into a, a mental state. Of thinking that he's uh, an immortal, which he is, but not in this fucking holiday. <laughs> let's let's zing him back. We'll just t- cut off one of his balls. He's gonna learn that he's not immortal, and maybe that's gonna make him a little bit l- less of a selfish asshole. And it sure fucking worked. And when these things like pop up like that, you're like, oh, okay, it's a class, it's a class, it's a class. Here it is again, the test. It's an exam. I didn't know an exam was coming. Pop quiz,
0: bitch. Pop quiz. Okay, okay, I can do
2: this one. I can do this one. Uh-huh. And every single and for me, the pop is Testicular cancer is an easier pop quiz to pass than somebody than than uh than, like my neighbor chastising me for keeping my laundry in the machine too long. <laughs> it's those little shitty pop quizzes uh-huh. where you have that one moment where someone's confronting you for something that you think you're right about, and you have that one moment to decide that you're gonna pick being loving over being right.
1: Right. Ooh! oh man
2: try to pass that fucking test <laughs> instead of being like no bitch you're fucking you've every time i come into this fucking thing it's filled with your goddamn urine soaked dog <laughs> carpets or your the boat you can't fucking monitor the laundry room if i got my shit in there too long when you're using this thing apparently to watch all the clothes in los angeles <laughs> that's the shitty cunty side right, that right, wants to say right. that but if instead you go I'm really sorry about keeping my clothes in there too. Long. Right. You know what I'll try to do better next time.
1: Uh-huh. Oh man. Be
2: kind, try, play around with being kind over being right. doesn't mean be a fool, but a lot of the times winning sometimes, like imagine arm wrestling. Imagine if you're somebody who thought, who when you get in that arm wrestling match with your little brother, if you felt the imperative to Smash win every em. time. Yeah. <laughs> you're yeah, so- you're a psycho. <laughs> Yeah. Let him win cuz right. you love him. Right. You have nothing to lose. I have nothing to lose in the world from submitting to somebody who wants to control a tiny little bit of square footage in this dimension that has some laundry washing machines in it. Nothing to lose. Yeah. Everything to gain from a chance to do that one little pull up where you're like, oh, "Okay, yeah, no problem." Yeah, it's right.
1: like confronting like the greatest fighter in the world like, "I'll kick your ass, man." And he just goes, yeah. Okay. Probably would. You know, knowing he's the greatest fighter in the that's exactly. the guy you admire. You know, exactly. Like, yeah. You probably would, buddy. You look pretty tough. You probably would. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just knowing he's a fucking dragon yeah. inside, and just yeah. you could just breathe fire and fucking immolate him on the spot.
2: It's like when a when I'm walking my dog. Yeah. There's a, from time to time, somebody has this giant fucking dog that they walk giant dog some kind of maybe it's a mastiff or something. i don't know what it is but it's a big fucking thing and i have a little chihuahua a little traumatized rescue chihuahua uh-huh. And so whenever the mastiff is coming i have to walk around because not because the mastiff thing is aggressive at all but because my chihuahua is like this, <laughs> this thing could like definitely i would say like in if not swallow my dog <laughs> like just eat the whole thing yeah. like in a couple of seconds break gotcha. it in half yeah but the dog looks at my little dog with a kind of combination what appears to be i don't know if dogs are capable of like um, being amused in a kind way but it kind of wants to play yeah a little disappointed that it maybe like it can't be friends with my crazy dog but it just walks on no uh-huh. barking nothing no violence no aggression yeah the mastiff thing is the hero in that situation Mm -hmm. and my dog in that situation wind up (laughs) is a wind up so it's like yeah becoming more like that that dog let that dog be your guru become that thing so that when all the little barking aspects of this dimension come at you you just do that sweet kind non-condescending look of man i wish we could play
1: yeah <laughs> amen my cosmic brother well we got a fucking exciting live podcast we yes. got a float to do yeah we got all kinds of shit. all, things,
2: all kinds of things to do today
1: thanks for stopping by my, my pleasure brother. man thank you we'll so much again. what a blast yeah. Hare Krishna. thank you love you guys we'll talk soon peace peace